What, what does a chamber do? And more specifically, what is your involvement? What advice would you give somebody starting off in their career? I'd like to welcome our listeners to the Bolus Beat podcast. I'm your guest host, Cameron Foster, filling in for Greg Bolus. The Bolus Company is Northern New England's largest commercial real estate services firm with offices in Portland, Maine, as well as Manchester and Portsmouth, New Hampshire. We've been selling and leasing real estate in Maine and New Hampshire since 1975. This podcast is designed to provide insight into Maine's business movers and shakers. And speaking of business leaders, I'd like to welcome Quincy Hensel, CEO of the Portland Regional Chamber of Commerce to the Bolus Beat. Welcome, Quincy. Thanks for having me, Cam. Great to be here. <laughs> of course. Um, now, before we get into the business end of things, I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, where it all started, and how you ended up in Portland. Sure. So I was born and raised in Illinois, grew up in the suburbs of Chicago, went to college there, went to law school there. Shortly after graduating law school, I actually moved to Portland, sight unseen. I followed a boy. There's a whole story there. Um, and that was probably in the mid, I would say, 2005, I think I moved here. Fell in love with the city, fell in love with the state, and decided to make it my home. And I've been here ever since. I've threatened to move back to Illinois. My family wants me to stay here because they love Maine and they love visiting Portland. So I kind of have the best of both worlds. I get to live in Portland and I get to visit Chicago and my family whenever I want to, but then always come back home here. Awesome. At a distance, right? Exactly. But close enough, a flight. Um, exactly. Any moments that stick out? I haven't been to Illinois myself, but any anything that sticks out as a child, you know, growing up there, um, anything for our main listener? Well, I mean, it was a pretty, I had a pretty normal childhood. I guess I'll say, you know, I grew up in the suburbs of the city and the suburbs are pretty big and sprawling. I was lucky enough to grow up in a home that had two acres of land, so kind of unheard of if you're in the suburbs of Chicago. And I spent, my brother and I spent all of our time outside. We were always outdoors. My parents were big outdoor people. My dad was always sitting outside, just enjoying being in like the great outdoors. So when I think of my childhood, even though I was in the suburbs of like a big sprawling metropolis, we had a lot of land and it's just kind of carried into adulthood. I love being outdoors, which is probably part of the pull to being in a city like Portland. I was going to say, I was a DC and grew up in Washington, DC, and I moved to Portland. And because of that, you know, you've got the outside, you got nature. Right. Um, and I, I think everybody should have access to nature. Agreed. Um, and so after you graduated, um, what, how did you end up at Maine Credit Union uh, League? Um, and what did that kind of, what did that experience look like for right. you? So, hmm, I, so I'd graduated law school and had decided I didn't really want to practice law. So I'm one of those recovering attorneys, but like right out of law school, I knew I didn't want to practice. Moved to Portland, kind of stumbling around a little bit, looking for a job. And I had taken a temporary job at Drummond Woodsum, not as an attorney, but I was kind of a legal assistant to one of the lawyers. And the lawyer I worked for there ended up becoming my mentor. His name was Bill Pluff, wonderful human. He took me under his wing. He happened to be doing a lot of work in our state house. He had clients who needed representation in Augusta. 
he would go to Augusta a lot and I started to go with him. And that's where I learned a lot about doing government relations work, working in policy, working in politics on behalf of clients. And I really fell in love with that type of work, something I never knew existed. I never thought in college or law school, oh, I'd like to do government relations work. Um, but I really, I really enjoyed it. And so I ended up finding an opportunity, a really incredible opportunity at the Maine Credit Union League doing their government relations work. So that job brought me to both DC with our federal delegation, as well as the state house in Maine. And I did it for 11 years. And I really learned about uh, policy, how, what goes into making good policy, you know, working with other coalitions, crafting policy answers to certain challenges we're facing in Maine. And it was just a great learning experience, which I think really kind of led me to my next job, which is what I'm doing now at the chamber. Yeah, I was going to say that. It seemed like a natural evolution. Um, and so when was your time with the Credit Union League and then when was your transition um, to the Portland Chamber of Commerce? Um, and then I'd love to learn a little bit about, because I'm, I'm kind of interested in myself, you know, what, what does a chamber do? And like more specifically, what is your involvement uh, in the community? So I guess, you know, what brought you there when you started and sure. what you guys do? Uh, in the community? So while I was working at the Maine Credit Union League, I was actually serving on the board of the Portland Chamber. So I had, you know, good connectivity and insight into what the chamber was doing in Portland. I really loved the role of the chamber on the board. Um, so when the position came open for CEO of the Portland Regional Chamber, I just thought it was a great opportunity, like just another step advancing my career. Again, something I had never thought of I would do. I don't think you know, kids grow up thinking I want to run a chamber of commerce. But I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> I'm sure. I didn't either, actually. Um, but just the opportunity I had to serve on the board gave me, like, really good insight into what the organization did at the chamber. And so when the position became open, I applied for it. And it's been probably, like, one of the best decisions that I've ever made. Chambers, you know, I think a lot of people viewing this know what a chamber is. I mean, we were a membership organization for businesses, but really our mission is so much bigger than that. We work every day to help create a vibrant and a thriving economy for our community, for the businesses. And it's, it's always amazed me how integral and important businesses are to almost every aspect of the community. I mean, these are the employers, right? Like look around our great city of Portland. Those are employers. Those are the people that employ all of us who are, who are living in the Portland community. So as a Chamber of Commerce, that is our number one priority, is just to make sure we're all working together. The policies that we're passing are helping to really promote a thriving economy so that businesses can grow and flourish, which in the end supports all of us who are living here. No, yeah, that's very well said. Um... So you, you joined, you took the helm, rather, in 2017 um, before a, a global pandemic a few <laughs> years later, which I don't think any of us saw coming. Um, how has your role kind of changed pre and then post-pandemic, if there has been a change? Because yeah. I know we, we, we did a, an office space project together, um, and, and so it was interesting. Everyone had to kind of uh, adapt. Right. Through those years. Oh, 
Totally. And you, you mentioned the office space. We do have a new office. We are now located at 93 Exchange Street. We just moved in April of this year, May of this year. And that office move ha has probably been one of the best things we could have done as we were trying to come out of this pandemic. It has been a magnet for the staff. So the whole team of the chamber, we are now in the office almost every day working collaboratively together. And a lot of it is the draw of that office space. It's just a wonderful place to be. You asked how my role has changed, you know, pre versus post pandemic. I don't know if the chamber's roles necessarily changed, but I do think what the pandemic allowed us to do is to really like prove our value to our members in our community. I think the chamber became that really trusted source of information. I mean, you think back to like March, April, May of 2020, and like no one knew what was going on. It, it was everyone's first pandemic. We were starting to shut down business. We were going on lockdown. Then we were starting to open businesses, but with all kinds of rules and requirements and regulations around that. And that was federally and in the state, right? So there was right. two. There's okay. different levels of what people are doing. And we didn't know what we were doing, but we quickly figured out, okay, we have to be that conduit of information for our members. They're trying to run their business, trying to protect their employees. So we were out there, we were connected to what was happening on the federal level, very connected to what was happening on the state level, working with state government, even within our municipalities, and being that source of information, like finding out for our members, okay, this is what we're doing. This is what's required of you okay, now we're reopening. You can reopen at this date, but these are the requirements for reopening. And I think we really proved our value and we really proved, if we hadn't before, I think we proved that we could be that trusted source of information that our members could come to us for. And the pandemic just, it was so difficult and so challenging, but also provided a lot of opportunities and it provided opportunities for our organization. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Um, yeah, I think bolus ourselves, you know, we, you know, you go to promote digital, you know, you try to reach people. Um, and I always mm -hmm. get your emails, uh, the, the, the chamber's <laughs> emails, and I do read them. Um, <laughs> but it is a great source of information. Mm -hmm. um, and, and you guys have been consistent with that. Um, you mentioned serving on a board on the chamber's mm, board. Mm -hmm. um, you are on a few uh, boards yourself. Mm -hmm. um, could you tell us a little bit about the boards you're on and kind of how you apply what you've learned to those boards while serving on those boards to your current role? It's a great question. Um, yeah, I do serve on a lot of boards. Some of them I serve on just for my own personal interests. A lot of them I serve on because of my role at the chamber. And they, they vary. I mean, I'm on boards like the Boys and Girls Club, Prosperity Maine. I'm on Maine Health's board. And, and they're, they're all different. They all have some similar challenges. They all have different challenges. Um, I think, you know, I always feel like I get so much from those boards than I give to them. I hope they don't think the same. But I, <laughs> I tend to get a lot by being on boards of different organizations. And I think what my draw is to being on boards is it really gives you such a deeper insight into our community. You know, every board I serve on has a different mission and they have a different audience. That audience is always some group of people in our community. And so I've really enjoyed getting engaged in other organizations and learning more about 
our own community. And I, I think I had mentioned earlier, I'm always amazed at how important the business community is to every other aspect of our community. So, you know, I think what I've been able to bring to some of the boards is just that connectivity to the business community, especially some of the, the nonprofit boards I've served on, just helping them make connections and making those connections with other businesses, whether it's for funding or for volunteers or just educating businesses on what these really incredible nonprofits are doing in our community. So, I'm, I mean, I'm probably on more boards than I should be on, but and I'm always loving, like always like to look at other boards to join, but really it's given me a deeper understanding of the greater Portland area. Yeah, and I assume it'll help you, it helps you um, be a great leader. Um, it seems the common denominator is the community, right? Mm -hmm. Everyone's just trying to better serve the community. Right. So serving on those boards, it must impact you as a leader uh, at the Chamber of Commerce. Um, what, in your opinion, what, what makes a great leader? And, and do you recognize a leader um, still with us or, or past? Mm -hmm. um, and what specifically about that leader uh, made them a, a great leader, in mm -hmm. your opinion? I would say hmm, there's probably a, there's a lot of qualities that I think make up a good leader. I think one of the biggest is, you know, people, I'm always amazed by people who, people just want to follow them, right? Like that to me is a great leader, like somebody who can inspire in people to just follow them on this journey, I think is pretty incredible. I also think one of the probably best attributes of a good leader is their ability to listen I've just learned like in my adulthood and professional career, you know, people who have that really good listening skill, who like you just know you are being heard and they're making you feel like you're being heard. And that's really powerful. Um, and I see that, you know, you ask who's a good leader. I mean, I could name like 20 off the top of my head of just people I get to work with on a daily basis. Like I think I think we have one of the best like business communities in the world, honestly. And I'm surrounded every day by leaders of businesses who just inspire me, who I learn from. I think of my own board. I have a pretty incredible board of directors and each of them brings such value and such leadership to our organization. So I, it's hard to name just one. And I'd be hesitant to name just one because I'd be leaving so many people off that list. But I just really feel it's such, we work in a really special place and we are just lucky to have the businesses that we have in our community, let alone the people who are leading those businesses. Yeah, no, I, um, I, I moved to Portland um, from Washington. And so I've felt that since I've moved here, mm -hmm. it is a great community. Um, tell us something about, first something you're proud of in your in your career but then something that didn't go as planned maybe something that you know didn't work out in your favor um and then kind of what did you learn from these events something that hasn't gone as planned pick a day pick a in day. my life no I'm kidding um everything goes as planned so to answer the first part what am I proud of um I, I have a lot of proud moments in my current role at the chamber but I would say what I'm probably most proud of right now is just the team that we've built at the chamber. We're a small but mighty crew. Um, I think there's seven of us now. We just brought a new person on board. And 
it is just the best group of people. I like all of them very much. I enjoy being with all of them very much. They are all just the best team players you can ask for. And, you know, I think that was one of my biggest learnings than all of a sudden running an organization and leading an organization. When you think of the people you want working with you, skill sets obviously hugely important. Like they have to be able to do the job they're yeah. hired to do. But personality is so important. And like their, their ability and desire to work collaboratively together and being a team player, those are critically important to having like a really good and healthy workforce in your organization. And I feel like we are, we are there. We have like the best team. Um, and I just am really proud of that. And I'm proud of, I love working with the people that I work with and they make the chamber go every single day and they're incredible. Thinking about what hasn't gone right. Um, that's probably a long list as well, but you know, I don't know if I can pick like one thing that hasn't gone as planned, but I can tell you that one thing I've learned through most of the things that haven't gone as planned or maybe things that have gone wrong yeah. is there's real value in like following your gut and like what your gut is telling you. And I can think of so many times where I have either decided to do something or approved doing something that I knew just did not, it didn't sit well, or I knew it wasn't right, or I knew it should be different. And for whatever reason, maybe you just had to make a decision and move, like you, I didn't correct that, and then it didn't go as I had hoped, yeah. and it was because I like didn't follow my gut. Yeah. I mean, your gut is telling you something, and I think that would be one piece of advice I would give people is like, follow your gut what it's telling you yeah me uh for, for me i was uh was trying out for uh, dc united which was an mls youth team mm -hmm. and it was their u15 team a little little cam um but i didn't make the team and all my friends had made the team and it was you know it was devastating but from that moment on i vowed to to to, to work harder train and I was blessed to play five years of Division One college soccer, wow. you know. So, but that was a moment for me when I look back. That didn't go as planned, you right. know. I was supposed to make that team with my right. friends and then go to all the games, uh, but it didn't. But like you right. said, it's like, what do you learn from it, uh, right? And how do you grow from it? Well, it's true. Failure. I mean, like another thing I would share with people who maybe are just embarking on their career is failure is not bad. Like nobody wants to fail. But, you know, success, people who have been most successful will often say it's because of their failures and their learnings from those failures and just the drive it's given them to do better and to do different. Um, what, what advice would you give somebody starting off in their career? You know, maybe out of high school, out of college, wanting to take on the world. Um, you know, I think one of the things I wish I knew or maybe had honed in on more was like the value of knowing what your passion is in life. I feel really lucky in my role right now that like my passion is my job and my job is my passion. I love people and I love community. And my job right now is to know people and to know my community. And so I feel like I've, you know, somehow I have stumbled my way into this perfect position for me. When I was you know, going through college and law school, you're like, I studied economics, I went and got a law degree. 
I was very practical. I was very much thinking like, okay, what degree should I get that will land me a job? And I, I felt like passion had nothing to do with it. Like you can't make money dealing with your passion, right? Well, I was wrong. And I know not everybody's going to have a job that they feel so incredibly passionate about, but I would encourage people, you know, if they're thinking of changing careers or maybe they're just starting out in their career, you know, try to hone in on your passion and figure out how you can leverage that into something that you want to do professionally. Um, and probably the other thing I would mention is take more risks, like take risks in life. Um, don't be irresponsible in case I have any board members who are listening to this right now. No, what are you, what are you not, telling not our Not irresponsible, <laughs> but... Calculated risks. Calculated man. risks, exactly. Yeah. And just, you know, we had talked about it before, but it's okay to make a mistake. Like it's okay and you can learn from those mistakes, but you can also have like really great wins by taking bigger risks. So those would probably be my two pieces of advice. Little uh, change up here, but mm. I'm a big reader mm. uh, myself. And uh, I think our listeners would be curious, do you have any book recommendations, <laughs> anything you've read, anything that you know has helped you in your role um, as a leader? Uh, I know personally, a graduation gift that I got was How to Win Friends and Influence People. Yes. Uh, and that was a book that I read uh, front yep. to back. Um, but I didn't know if there was a specific Gosh. book. I, I mean, I have read that book too. I bet a lot of people have. I yeah. have found that that was a, a fantastic book. Um, I actually read it twice back in the day. I don't know if I would have a book. I love to read. I don't read as much as I would like, but I tend to read more for like my own pleasure rather than for my, I mean, I read articles and things all day long that pertain to my job and my yeah. profession. Um, I'll throw a book out there to the readers that has nothing to do with my job. All right. Is that okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah I think so. <laughs> Just to go off topic, but my absolute favorite, like when you say favorite book, again, it has yeah. nothing to do with my profession absolute favorite book of all time is All the Light You Cannot See by Anthony Doerr. Oh, and I would recommend everybody to read it. World War II, beautiful, haunting story about people surviving World War II. Um, I love history. I love anything about World War II. So it's not outrageous that that would be my favorite book. Again, nothing <laughs> to do with my job, but no, that's just okay. a book I love. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess what, what, what are, is, are there certain like self-care practices that you like in your routine? I'm a runner mm -hmm. and I do like to read, but it's, I don't need to right. read. But for me, it's like getting a run in, you know, is there anything that you find yourself needing to do in your, in your routine? Um, yeah, like working out is key. If I don't work out, I feel it like in a whole host of ways. So I like to just, you know, stay somewhat in shape and just, you know, whether it's running or walking or going to a class. The other thing that I do, um, it's really the only thing that really helps me like disconnect and just kind of reset is travel. Yeah. So I love to travel. I love traveling all over the world. And it really has helped me build a greater appreciation for where I live. Like you travel, you go to fabulous places, like you see all corners of the earth. And then we come back to Portland and I'm just so grateful that this is where I call home. More perspective. Yes. More appreciation. Yes. Um, what, what is something like a misconception that people may think about your uh, field of expertise, maybe what the chamber does, what they do not do? Um, 
Is there any? Um, well, I guess from a chamber of, I think one of the biggest misconceptions for our chamber is that we're, you know, people think of chambers as like incredibly conservative organizations, just very conservative in their approach to policy and their approach to politics. And that's not so much our chamber. I mean, we are in Portland. We're in one of the most progressive cities in the state. And I feel like we try to reflect our community and our members. And our, our members are very progressive too. Like I'm very proud of the work that our members are doing. And so I, we're not, I would say we're fairly like middle of the road with like really an eye on being progressive and trying to lead with change in that way. But that might be one of the biggest misconceptions is just because we're a chamber of commerce, we would be like staunchly conservative in our approach to everything. And that's just not proven to be true with our chamber. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I mean, you're an advocate for the community, the business Correct. community. Mm -hmm. um, on that, on that uh, topic, the community, um, what do you see happening with Portland in the next, if you had to you know, look in your crystal ball, over the next five to 10 years, how do you see Portland developing um, problems, benefit, mm -hmm. you know, what, what do you see coming down the pike? Wow. Um, I think Portland's at a very like a transformational moment right now. I think we, Portland was on the map before the pandemic, but then the pandemic just really put a spotlight on Portland for being an incredible place to live and work. I think we are that, we have that small town feel, but with like the big city amenities, we're so close to nature, like we talked about, we're on the ocean, the mountains, we have everything here that people will want. Plus you could have a great professional career here. So Portland really is in a position to just thrive. But I do think, you know, over the last couple of years, there's been a lot of divisiveness in the city, like politically divisiveness. And when you look at policy, like the way policy is passed, that has really changed dramatically over the last few years. And when you ask what does the future of Portland look like over the next five, 10 years, I think a lot of that really is going to weigh heavily on how the November election shake out. And in Portland, we are going to be faced with 14 ballot referendums that the voters have to make decisions on on election day. In 2020, we also had a plethora of referendums, um, which we opposed all of them. They were incredibly big complicated, robust policy areas that we were pushing changes through via referendum. And that typically doesn't work well. If you've got a really complicated area that you're making multiple changes to, those types of changes to policy really need to sit with our elected officials. That's why we've elected them. That's a representative form of government. They go through the process. They bring experts and stakeholders to the table. They look at the issues. They figure out the challenges. They figure out the solutions. And they can see unintended consequences and make changes to the policy to help prevent the unintended consequences. We're not afforded that in the referendum process. Looking down the road a bit, mm -hmm. I was going to say. So what is this policy? How is it going to affect us now? Mm -hmm. But then 5, 10, 15 right. years, some of those folks may have that wherewithal. Maybe they've done it before, um, but maybe it's just objectively, too, just looking at the policy 
okay, how is this going to change the community? Right. And so those those questions they will they're on they'll be on the ballot in, in November, yep. and they show up as just questions. Yes. Okay. But very complicated questions. It's not just <laughs> I was like I'm going to say is it one line? Oh or, no, okay. it's like a summary with like an attached addendum of the ordinance redlined with all the changes. And you know we're talking about making changes to like potentially banning the cruise ships from coming to Portland, restrictions on Airbnb, more rent control, changes to the minimum wage ordinance that actually removed the tipped credit for servers. They don't want that removed. It recategorizes like Uber drivers from independent contractors to employees. So Uber will go away if this passes. These are really, there, there's a lot within these questions that if you know voters are going to need to educate themselves and make really informed decisions at the ballot on each of these questions. And we need to rethink, we need to bring back how we craft policy, really rethink that. And, and it, it should not be through the referendum process. We have a city council who's been elected to do this work. And if these are policy areas that need to be changed, everyone is willing to be at the table to make those changes, but it's just, you're not gonna get a good policy if you've put something together that makes 20 changes to an ordinance, and now you're asking voters to vote up or down on that ordinance. Because it seems like a lot of pressure for a voter in that short time frame. Yes. And buzzwords, you know, it just seems like a, not the right place to have such a long description. It's uh, not. And it's, you know, it's, we're being, we're faced with these special outside interest groups that have come in. They have their own policy agenda. They're using Portland as a guinea pig. They're trying to pass these issues. And I think if the voters understand where these are coming from, like they're going to really, they'll be able to make their own decision on whether these should pass or not. But that's going to dictate where we go in 10 years. In 2020, we passed rent control and the Green New Deal, which I'm sure most people have read about those, they have really prevented the development of housing in Portland. Like the housing shortage is our number one issue that we're faced with. If we don't have housing, we can't attract employees, we can't grow our workforce, like we are just hampering ourselves. And those, same thing, those policy issues were passed via referendum, they were super complicated, they made lots of changes to really complicated policy areas. And now we're stuck in a position where the council can't change them for five years. So we're literally stuck with these policies and we're not able to build housing. So housing's not going to get cheaper because we're not going to be able to build more for at least five years. But it seemed in that people made a wanted something done now, right? right. So they voted on something, but understanding, like you said before, what what are the goals of that right. what you want? I think that's that's what, if I may, the organization that you represent does. Like right. provide the information, here are the facts, but letting people decide what they want to do, but not leaving it to you know some paragraph that doesn't really represent the policy or doesn't educate people on Correct. the long-term effects. Correct. Um, well answered. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank um, you for the question. So I will end on a fun question. Mm. Uh, I threw this one in here. Okay. Um, if you could have dinner and drinks with one mm. famous person, you know, you're a historian, mm. dead or alive, who would it be and why? Hmm. Well... 
my number one choice, who he's not famous to everyone else, but famous to be with my, my dad. I would have dinner with my dad, who's been gone for many, many years. But if I had to choose famous, I could go one of two ways. I could go the history route because yep. I do love history and I do love learning about World War II. So maybe like Franklin Roosevelt or somebody, you know, who could. Churchill would be Churchill, cool. Churchill, both of them. Let's bring them both to yeah. dinner. That would be an amazing dinner. Now, where are we going? Oh. If we had to take them in Portland. Ooh, don't make me choose. I love them all. I do love them all. I think I would also add, though, to that dinner, I would um, take my love of history with my love of music and invite Elvis. Okay. I'm like sort of obsessed with Elvis. I don't sit around listening to Elvis music, but he's just a fascinating character. I love watching him perform and I love listening to him sing. And he kind of transformed a lot um, back in the day. Did you see the movie? I haven't even seen the movie yet. So right? I so was that educated obsessed, on Elvis. And that, mm. that the transforming you're talking about, because mm -hmm. I, when I first heard him, I said, you know, he's a decent performer, right. but you watch the videos and the way he was entertaining had oh, never yeah. been done before. Uh, the film is great. Uh, we'll have to see I it. highly recommend it because they talk about that transformation oh, and he, how yeah. he was using, you know, kind of moves that were, were not typical no. of that time period even. Um, kind of frowned upon, Vulgar, actually. I think, yes. was the word thrown around. So I guess you, me, Elvis, Churchill, and Roosevelt are all having dinner somewhere. Yeah. And we'll, I'll see where I can get us in. Yeah, we'll go to State Theater after. Love it. We'll Love put it. Elvis up there. I know. Well, thank you. I, um, I want to thank you, Quincy, for being our guest today on The Bolus Beat. Uh, a Bolus Company podcast. Uh, you can learn more about Quincy and the Portland Chamber of Commerce at the company's website, which is www.portlandregion.com. You can also find them on LinkedIn. Uh, and if you'd like to learn more about the Bolus Company, please be sure to visit us at www.bolus.com. You can also find us at the Bolus Company on Facebook and LinkedIn and at the Bolus Co. on Instagram and Twitter. Mm -hmm.